Hey, everybody. How we doing tonight? Uh, yes, he is. He is always good, is he not? What a wonderful time we find ourselves in on the earth. How many realize it's not uncertain times? It's just uh, ordained time. Amen. Well, we find ourselves in some wonderful times. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, tonight to James chapter 5. Fifth chapter of James. This is where we're going to get started tonight. I can't promise you how far we're going to go, but we'll go as far as the Lord leads us to go. Fifth chapter of James. 2014 is a tremendous numerical year. I don't know about you, but when I came into 2014, I began to feel an expectation. How many felt an expectation when we transferred out of one year into the other? Actually, 20 is the number of expectation. 14 is the number of salvation. And I believe with all my heart, for those of you that have been around me for the last 10, 15 years, you know that I've been talking about 2014 been trying to tell the body of Christ that something was getting ready to happen in the earth. And I submit to you that from 2014 to 2017, if we will receive the instructions of heaven, how many realize that just because God's doing something in the earth doesn't mean that he's going to do it here? Now I'm from the south, you live in the north. But I, I free you up to be Pentecostal tonight. Just a little bit of response will go a long way with me. But I believe with all my heart that if you and I will posture ourselves correctly, if we will do what we were created to do, heaven will come down in this place and God will be God. Why hear about it somewhere else when others can hear about it here? All we have to do is just be willing to do it, be willing to receive. You know, I was out on the West Coast, and um, I've been serving the, the, the Lord for about 32 years now, and um, I don't have a lot of visions. God doesn't speak to me and, you know, every day and things of this sort, so I don't have this running conversation with the Lord. But I've only had one open vision. How many realize that there's different types of visions scripturally? You know, I still have night visions because I'm too young to dream dreams. <laughs> it's the truth, glory to God. It's going to be my confession until the end. Amen. But I'm out on the West Coast, and I had an open vision. And for those of you that might not know what an open vision is, it's much like a trance where the, you know, the spirit realm is just as real as the natural realm. And my son was standing next to me. He looked to be about 17. He was about my height. He's 17 uh, today. Uh, he turned, well, he's getting ready to turn 18 here soon. But uh, he, he turned 17, and he's about my height. And, and uh, just a little sidebar note, he just signed to play collegiate baseball for uh, Clearwater Christian uh, College in Clearwater, Florida. He'll be a, a middle infielder, either shortstop or second baseman. So I'm quite proud of that. So give, I'll give Nate his props real quick. But in this vision, I begin to see the glory of the Lord coming. 
And since then, I've had, you know, uh, geographical locations begin to light up with the presence of God. The panhandle of Florida is under a revival right now. January, two years ago, I began to see a fog move from Pensacola, Florida, all the way to Tallahassee. And I knew it was a coming revival. And this is just a sovereign thing that God is doing. I believe with all my heart that there are prophetic words over this ministry that have not come to pass yet. And it doesn't mean that there are are words that are are just, you know, forgotten about, somewhere tucked away in the archives of time. It means, my friends, that we serve the Ancient of Days and He can cause to manifest what He spoke about maybe 15 or 20 years ago tonight. So we, we're, in a, we're in a tremendous time, and I begin to see the glory of the Lord begin to grow and begin to increase. And what I saw was on all eight continents of the world, people walking free of the darkness that Satan had people under. People were coming out of sin in mass groves, and, and people were walking free of poverty and infirmity and everything that enslaves humanity. And they were coming to Jesus in tremendous ways. I I exhort you to live this year with high expectation. I exhort you to believe that your families are going to get saved this year. I encourage you to place a demand on heaven to believe that God will bring to pass what you have been petitioning, petitioning Him for, crying out to Him for. I want to encourage you. This is the year of a brand new beginning. Do you feel the witness of the Holy Ghost on this? I believe that we are in some sovereign timing. I don't believe that our meeting here is just by coincidence. I want to encourage you to make sure that you you listen with your ears, you you receive in your heart, and you're willing to see what God wants you to see. Begin to have night visions because I'm too young to dream dreams. And I was standing on a boardwalk looking at the sea and the waves were crashing on the beach. They weren't big waves. They were right on five feet waves, but they were big enough to get your attention. And you know how the wave comes up on the beach and retracts. But as the water was retracting, there were bodies left all over the beach. And these people were getting up and they were brushing the sand off their clothing and they were walking towards me. And then the next wave would crash and retract, and the same thing would happen. The next wave would crash and retract, and the same thing would happen. And I said, Father, I said, what is this? And he said, Son, you're in the time where I am speaking to the sea to give up its dead. For those of you that might not understand the word sea in Scripture, it refers, thank you very much, to large groups of people. I am convinced that we are in a time where people are coming to Jesus. But they're not just coming to Jesus just for the sake of coming to Jesus. You and I are, if you have, if, if you've been living a life of witnessing lately, I think what you're finding is you're finding that people are getting harder and harder to reach. Now, what that tells me is this it tells me that I'm going to have to be walking in something different than what I'm walking in now if I'm going to be effective. So I begin to spend some time with the Lord. And I was in a hotel room in Crestview, Florida two years ago, and I've only been in the Shekinah glory of the Lord. Anybody ever been in the Shekinah glory of God? If you've ever been in the Shekinah, you know what I'm talking about here. 
It is an atmosphere that is, that is just, it, there's nothing close to it. Sin cannot hide there. If you don't think that you're rebellious, you get in the presence of God and you'll find out that you are. Why? Because you've got a human nature. Love the way you're shouting right now. Come on, amen. Your will cannot coexist there. You will find a presence that is so holy and pure. And last time I was there, the Lord began to talk to me. He said, son, he said, this is the, this is the atmosphere of the coming movement. This is what I'm trying to bring my people into. A desire, like Hosea 6 and 3 says, on the third day, and if you don't think that we're not in the third day, my friends, we are. On the third day, I would raise up a people that would want to live in my presence. I don't know about you, but I want to live closer to Jesus than I've ever been before. I want to be more effective for Jesus than I've ever been before. And you know, I was reading the book of Revelation at the time, and I had come to the end of that, and the Lord said to me, he said, son, he says, most people are not aware of how close these events are. Now, I'm not a chicken little preacher. You've never heard me say that Jesus is coming soon, right? I've been here many times. I don't believe in scaring folk. But you know what? I pray I scare you enough for you to get right with God if you need to get right. Because the Lord spoke to me, and he said, son, he said, these things are very close, and I really thought that we were going to, you know, pull the trigger on Isaiah 17, you know, the destruction of Syria and Damascus when we had those five uh, destroyers sitting in the Mediterranean Sea armed with 90 Tomahawk missiles with warheads on each missile, one order away from throwing the Middle East into prophetic fulfillment. The Lord began to tell me, he said, son... He said, by the end of President Obama's second term, Israel will be engaged in a major military war. I had a pastor tell me one time, you shouldn't talk like that. What if it doesn't happen? Well, what if it does? You either hear from God or you don't. Anybody ever heard of Adolf Hitler? Adolf Hitler was approached by one of his advisors, and he said, how in the world are you going to get the church to endorse your plans? You know what he said? He said, I'll throw them enough money, and they'll do whatever I tell them to do. You see, the problem in America is this. Nobody wants to be persecuted. The problem in America is nobody, nobody wants to be uncomfortable. And I'm, 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 I suggest to you that the church in America is so far away from God, whatever our government decides to do, the church will go along with it. You know why? Because it'll probably, the government will probably be offering some kind of federal aid to help the church sustain itself. We live in a time where it's treacherous. This coming Tuesday, we are going to experience the first blood moon within the span of a one-year physical year. Now, anybody that has studied the blood moons, you know that if there are four blood moons within the span of one year and one lunar uh, eclipse, Israel is headed for a catastrophic event. It's just historical. It started in 1472 when Spain was threatening Israel, exile, if you don't convert to Catholicism. You, we, could, we could chase it down through history. 1948. The eight-day war, on and on and on. It starts this Tuesday night, the first blood moon. And for those of you that have never really looked at this, April 15, 2014, Passover, the first blood moon. 
October chapter or October 8th, 2014, the Feast of Tabernacles, the second blood moon. February 29th through March the 1st, a lunar, lunar eclipse will take place. April chapter, or April uh, the 4th, uh, 2015, the second Passover will be the third, the third blood moon. And then September 28th, 2015, Tabernacles once again will be the fourth blood moon. By the end of this next physical year, Israel will be engaged in a prophetic conflict. And see, here's the thing. Whenever there's been a blood moon, four, four blood moons and one lunar eclipse within the span of a one-year period of time, Israel has not only come under siege, but they've always had to stand alone. So don't expect the United States to go rushing to the aid of Israel in these, in these last days. So James chapter 5 says this, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. And I will say this, Jesus is coming. I would be totally shocked, Chris, if the church was still in the earth past 2020. If there's ever a time to be effective, it's now. If there's ever a time to step on the accelerator, it's now. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord, and see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives. Key word. Everybody shout, receives. The early in the latter rain. Now when we start talking about early in latter rain, we all know that we can go quickly to the book of Joel, the second chapter, and start talking about, you know, former and latter rains. And we understand how it prepares the earth for the planting of the seed. We parallel this to a spiritual walk. A season will come after us. And we are in a season called an early rain. And it's coming after us. That we would be a people that would receive the seed of God's word. Instruction. Are you ready to receive instruction? Because if you do not receive the instruction, you cannot be part of the harvest. Come on, amen? And see, here's the good news. The good news is if we understand that we are in an early rain right now. And the United States has been, has been in an early rain for the last two years. But an early rain is an indicator that the latter's coming. All you and I have to do is posture ourselves correctly. All you and I have to do is begin to prepare. And in this early rain, you know what God is asking us to do? God is asking us to worship Him. Worship Him. Do what we were created to do. Let the fruit of our lips bring Him praise. But here in America, you know what we do? In America, praise and worship is nothing more than filler time. Because we have bought into a concept from some church growth guru that has told us that if we're going to have a successful church, we have to finish with, we've got to come in under an hour. My friends, I say that that is humanism. It is a deception. When the school system can hold the attention of our children 55 minutes to an hour and five minutes, but yet the church has got to finish within, within, within an hour, something's wrong. You see, here's the thing. I tried to warn the body of Christ before the seeker-friendly movement moved in 15 years ago. I was telling the people, I was saying, listen, you don't need to do this. This is going to invite a soulish approach to a spiritual God, and it will take years to get people back on track. And they begin to entertain all kinds of things. They used to tell me, you know, you can't, uh, Heinz, you sound like you're out of step. 
Uh, what do you mean? The, the, you're trying to try to tell me the 21st century church is supposed to be content and satisfied with the preaching of the Word, the gifts of the Spirit, the move of the Holy Ghost, strong altar ministry, praise and worship? Oh, we've got to do something. We've got to have a little more. And I was looking at him. I said, have you lost your minds? What is wrong with you people? And see, here's the thing. Now I'm suggesting to the body of Christ that we begin to worship God, not just for a, a, short, a short span of time. We, we set out to worship God until we meet with God. Otherwise, it's just filler time. But the problem is, is we have not taught the church how to host the Lord. Come on, y'all. I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. All right? But tomorrow morning, they're going to get both barrels. Okay? And see, and, and this, is what, this is what ministers are telling me right now. Uh, and and, and the, reason they're, the reason they're scoffing me right now is because the fruit of their life and the fruit of their ministry is anger and frustration. They don't know what to do. And God is just simply suggesting, meet with me. Worship me until I come. Come on, are you listening? And see, so you've got to remember something. This is God's house. This is not your house. And when we start having other constitutions in God's house, other than the way the kingdom of God functions, we're headed for trouble. Humanism steps into the picture. Carnality begins to govern. Opinions begin to take over. Come on, are you here, are you here tonight? And you know what will flush all this out? You just invite the presence of God here. You let God manifest the way he wants to manifest. And I'll guarantee you, no matter what's wrong in the camp, God will fix it with his presence. You see, you've got to understand something. I'm, I'm ready to make a statement that might sound blaspheming, but you've got to hear this by the Holy Ghost. The word of God is not God's best. Look at y'all looking at me like I'm, like I'm crazy. I understand that God upholds all things according to his word. I know that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word is God. I understand all that. But my friends, how many times have folks sat in church and the word couldn't reach them? How many times have people come to the altar and altar ministry couldn't reach them? How many times have people been in counseling for deliverance yet the counseling couldn't reach them? But you expose them to the presence of God and what will happen? No matter where they're fragmented, no matter what the root problem is, they get in the presence of God and God will clear all that up. So this is not a stretch. This is just doing what God has called us to do, what God created us to do. And that's to worship Him. But can we receive this? There's a lot of people that are extremely afraid of what's going to take place. They're going to lose control. Isn't that the object my life feels more out of control, but more in control than ever before. Come on, amen. How many realize that in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He wanted to meet with Jesus. And there's a lot of people that are afraid of meeting with Jesus. They haven't met with Jesus in so long, they're afraid to meet with Jesus. You know why? Because they realize that they possibly could have some ways about them that might not quite be like Jesus. So the threat of being exposed to Jesus is a threat. But Zacchaeus wanted to meet with Jesus. We know what happened. He's in a sycamore tree, shadowing type of all kinds of crazy stuff. But yet the fact still remains is Zacchaeus wanted Jesus to come home. One meeting with Jesus, one lunch with Jesus, 
totally changed the man. Changed his character. And my friends, you know, see, you got to remember something. You are designed to change. What should be woven to the fabric of your soul is the characteristic of change. You are physically changing on a daily basis. You and I have the opportunity to spiritually change and evolve and come forth more like Christ on a daily basis. What's amazing to me is the information that you will get exposed to once you get into the presence of God. Because it just won't be solutions for the now. God will start preparing you for next week, next month. So can we receive this? I pray that we can. Because, folks, I'm telling you, if we don't receive this, there'll be a lot of people who say, well, you know, I just don't know if I want to be in church longer than an hour. Well, you get into this kind of presence, and I'll guarantee you, you lose track of time. You get in the presence of God, and and you'll just get lost in joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. And God will do with you what he has wanted to do with you for years. Come on, amen. I'm telling you, the answer for every need in your life is the presence of God. The greatest thing that you could ever harvest is the presence of God. Anybody ever heard of John Jimenez? The rock churches? Well, I minister for a number of rock churches across the nation. And they met in Dallas. Their national convention was in Dallas. Do you know what the number one uh, uh, agenda was? What the number one focus for their agenda in in this year was? It was returning to the presence of God. Everybody's getting the memo right now. New life, y'all better hear me. This is your call. This is your memo call. Heaven is inviting you to join him where he is. Not where you want him to be. Not where it's convenient for him to be. But where he knows you need to be. Because that's where change comes. That's where everybody, everybody in this auditorium becomes vulnerable. We become exposed. We begin to understand that we are not quite where we could be. And there's fresh opportunity to move and to go ahead. So he says this. He says, you also be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. And do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And what I, what I found is, is uh, what I'm noticing is people are acting crazy right now in church. You see, the dross is coming to the surface. The stronger the presence of God gets, the more the dross is going to come to the surface. And you're going to see people reacting in ways that you never thought they could ever act. You're going to hear people talking and thinking and doing what you never thought they could. And it's all because the, the presence of God is, 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 is causing men's hearts and the truth of what's in men's hearts to come to the surface. And this is what people are afraid of. They're afraid of faking it because they can no longer make it. They're afraid of what this movement is, is doing. It's bringing everybody back to honesty and purity and humility. Anytime God begins to shake the earth with anything, it's always through an early and latter rain. 
And then the Lord begins to show us how or what we need to do so that we can be part of this early and latter rain. He starts talking about something. He starts talking about restoring the only thing that he is committed to restore, and that's the tabernacle of David. Now, I'm running with some people right now that their, 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 their main goal is to restore the tabernacle of David. And, and see, we, we understand that the tabernacle of David was, was worship, unveiled worship. For the first time since the fall of Adam, God had his people back. And it was unveiled worship 24-7. Now, I will be honest with you, and I'm not going to say that it's impossible because I know that with God all things are possible. I would only think about how many musicians we would need, how many singers we would need. But I've got young psalmists that are traveling the country and they're going into the cities and, and they're establishing the tabernacle of David. They have a psalmist. They'll get, in the, they'll get in the pulpit and they'll lead the people for three hours. They'll pull that psalmist out and pop another one in. And they do this for seven days around the clock. You see, I would call it unrealistic. But we have to remember something. But that's the way it was. They worshiped in the tabernacle of David for 33 years until the Ark of the Covenant was seized. Every year, Jesus lived incarnate. I believe it to be a shadow and type of the relationship that God wants with his people through praise and worship where we're not watching a clock because we're too captured by him. And I'm not saying that this, this is an unrealistic move because I've watched in the charismatic renewal people do some crazy stuff. I mean, we used to have conventions on, just on the ministry of helps and, you know, uh, we would have a, a, a service on, on, you know, 10 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the afternoon and, and 7 in the evening on the ministry of helps and people would come from all over the world and you'd have to leave your Bible on your seat to guarantee seating in every session on the ministry of helps. So I'm not saying that this is unrealistic. But I got a feeling that maybe in the 21st century, God is just simply trying to express to his people, I want you back. I want your hearts free. I want you free of the opinions of men. I want you so captivated by my will and serving your generation from your heart and from my word and from my will that that's the only thing and the only purpose that you have. If you haven't figured this out, my friends, that's how things run smooth is when Jesus is at the top of our priority list. So I want you to look at the book of Amos tonight. Ninth chapter of Amos. I love Psalms 103 and verse 6. Moses knew the ways of God. So therefore, Moses experienced the acts of God. If we know what God wants then the acts of God are guaranteed. Come on, amen. See, I don't believe that God's changed. Malachi 3 says that God doesn't change, so therefore I'm not consumed. Hebrews 13 says that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't believe he's changed. I believe that the, the God we serve does what his word says he'll do. Now, I might be naive, but I still believe that God opens the ears of the deaf. I'm, listen, a lady spent four grand on hearing aids only to find out that they didn't work. 
She spent one, one service in the presence of God just the other night, and her ears worked. Listen, I had a lady come to church just the other night. She said, I came for the sole purpose of you spitting in my eyes. I thought to myself, she's crazy. Until I realized that her faith was on high. I said, okay, here we go. (laughs) Come on, amen. She wanted to get spit on. I was going to give her a good one. (laughs) Her eyes just popped wide open. Are you hearing me? you got to understand something. There's somebody here that's got some kind of a throat condition. You can't clear it up, and God's going to fix you here in just a few minutes. Woo, glory to God. I feel the Lord trying to operate on some people tonight. I'm only going to kick these things out real quick just to build your faith. But my friends, what we need to do is what God is asking us to do, to set the atmosphere, set the table. He hasn't, ooh, come on now. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. Right now, I put the spirit of infirmity on notice. You cannot stay in the presence of God. In the name of Jesus, I speak the miraculous to break out in these meetings. Let the lives of this church, the people of this church, let them be forever changed by the miraculous presence of God. Let this be a landmark meeting. Let this be an explosion meeting. Lord God, let people from this region come to this house and find their need. Let their need be met in the presence of God. Verse 11 says this. And here's the crazy thing about the Lord. He's got weird battle plans. You know, we we think that for us to be the strongest nation on the face of the earth, we have to have the leading technology of nuclear power. Nothing wrong with these things, but God does not need aircraft carriers. God does not need supersonic jets. He doesn't need air-to-ground and ground-to-air missiles. He doesn't need trident subs. You know what he needs? He needs his people believing in him. He needs his people doing what his people are supposed to do before him. Are you aware that you're going to do one thing for the rest of eternity when you slip out of that body? You're going to worship God. You're going to worship God. And I suggest that you and I find the power that is in this before we get there. Amen? So anytime God needed some kind of, you know, military battle, you know, uh, 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 you know, an accomplishment in military battle, he said, just do this. Put the praisers out there. Just put the praisers out there. Now, when was the last time you, you praised God and you worshiped God before your miracle? It's easy to do what Miriam did on the other side of the Red Sea. Isn't that right? But when was the last time? When was the last time you said, you know what? I've, I've seen these things before. It might not be the same battle, but I've experienced some battles in life before. And I know my God. I've got memorials in my heart. He's been a faithful God. He's been faithful to me. He did it before. He'll do it now. And he'll do it again in Jesus' mighty name. So you know what? Before I even see the breakthrough, I'm going to do what I need to do to see the victory. I'm going to praise him and I'm going to worship him. You see, David was doing something when he was bringing back the Ark of the Covenant. He was stopping every seven steps and just giving God a little praise. You see, you got to remember something. The presence of the Lord had not been in Israel for over 70 years. 
You'd be surprised the presence of God hadn't been in churches for years. Now, I'm not talking about the omnipresence of the Lord. But why get chicken skin when God can mess up your hair and make your mascara run? I remember I was in the presence of the Lord. And that's when laughter was real big. And I was doing a meeting. And I'm telling you, I was in a church where... You would never think that it would break out. These people look like wooden Indians in pews. I was in the northeastern corner of Kentucky in the Appalachian Coal Hills, snake handling land. You know where they have hairpin services? Where the you know, Spirit of God gets on them and they want to scream and shake and hairpins come flying out everywhere? <laughs> it's the truth. I watched a dude, his, name was, his nickname was Moose. He was about 6'7", you know, 350 pounds. And, and he, 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 he balled up in a ball at the, at the back of the auditorium and he started rolling down the aisle. And he crashed into the communion table. <laughs> Craziest thing I've ever seen. I'm in this church and every word I was trying to preach got about right here and fell on the floor. Next thing I know, the pastor falls out of his seat on the floor laughing hysterically and the glory of the Lord hit those wooden Indians and they started falling they started falling out of their seats laughing hysterically and I hadn't, I hadn't made up my, my mind about this laughter stuff because you know I, I really don't have a problem you know uh, picking myself up you know what I mean so I didn't really think that I needed this, this laughter stuff and now I've got 200 wooden Indians on the floor laughing hysterically. And I'm in the middle of the glory of the Lord. And, and, and the Lord said, the only reason you're not laughing and you're not on the floor is because of your pride. Hello? And see, I had hair then. And what I didn't want God to do is I didn't want God to mess up what hair I had left. I, I would shine my shoes and I didn't want God to take the shine off my shoes. I had pride in my life. And the Lord said, son, I said, if you'll yield to me, I'll broaden the working of my anointing in you. By the time God was done with me and those wooden Indians, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know where I was. They had to drive me home. Every degree I have fell off the wall that night, and I've been delivered ever since. I'm looking to jump on the furniture around here. <laughs> Come on, amen. amen. Glory to God. Y'all might not know who you got preaching to you. Glory to God, but I love the Holy Ghost. I love the move of the Spirit. I love the gifts of the Spirit. I've been pulling more people out of the crowd and exposing adultery and fornication like never before. But this is the craziest thing. The church has sunk to such a degree, nobody can discern the sin that people are parading the house of God with. And it is a stench. Now I'm at my home church just the other night preaching on, uh, on Wednesday night and, and not this last Wednesday night week before and the fir first people I mean there's hundreds of people in the altar and the first people I came to a woman and a man and, and I, the Lord said tell her that, that her root problem is anger and anger is driving her to live a life of adultery and then tell the man standing next to her to quit contributing to the cause I said okay <laughs> glory to God but it bothers me. It bothers me that, that you can have altar calls and have people living secret lives and nobody living close enough to God to see past their smoke screens. I want you to understand something. This stuff stops. I got news for you tomorrow. 
And you better heed the instruction because your future is riding on it. God has got plans for this ministry and make a choice to be part of it. I'm telling you, oh, roboshitai. Mm-hmm. Y'all gonna make me prophesy. Glory to God. Come on, amen. Man, I'm telling you, there's some things going on. I mean, how many realize that Gideon, Gideon was looking at an insurmountable uh, you know, victory and, and God said, hey, look, you got too many people with you. And he's thinking, wait a minute here. I got 30,000 people here and I'm facing 200,000 people and I got too many? And God says, oh, yeah, yeah. He said, they're not disciplined. Take them down to the water and watch how they drink. And the ones that, the ones that drink with discipline, these are the ones I want. 300. It gets hundreds of thousands. And God says, I got a plan. Just set the praisers out there. Have, have, have them take gourds and, and put, have them put lamps and candles in these gourds and have them break them open when I want them broke open. And I want you to shout when I want you to shout. And I'll send confusion on the enemy. God's got weird battle plans. Amen. So the next time you see sister so-and-so spinning like a top and screaming at the top of her lungs, understand she's tapped something that your pride won't get involved with. Ah, glory to God. Amen. If I roll up under your, under your chair in these meetings, leave me alone because <laughs> I'm after something. Amen. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. So watch what happens. And you know what? I mean, when, when, listen, if you and I are not going to transport this thing correctly, you know what God will do? God will send it where somebody will. I mean, Obadiah. Obadiah didn't, he wasn't really, really realizing what had come to town. I mean, when they would not transport the presence of God correctly, and the only reason they didn't is because they didn't have informed priests to teach them. It's called inexperienced people. In the house of God. Can you put up 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 1? We don't need inexperienced priests. We need men and women of God who know the Holy Ghost. Who know the word of God. My friends, the Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be transported on the shoulders of God's priests. Not on a cart. Hello? Because you know what will happen? You'll have people like Yuzah. That will try and catch the ark when it falls. Or people that will mishandle the presence of God. Because nobody understands how to handle it correctly. But watch what David says. Furthermore, and let me tell you something about Obadiah. When, when the ark of the covenant, when the presence of God was with Obadiah, everything he had grew three times its normal size. I mean, even the butlers were blessed in Obadiah's house. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying that when you are a carrier, you got to realize something. When Moses went into the presence of God, before, nobody nobody thought that he was special. But after he came out of the presence of God, a nation looked at him differently. You know what this this region needs? This region needs a house that people can know is different. Different than what you can get at any other place around here. When you come to new life, we have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah, we might have a starting time, but we don't have a finishing time. If we all come crawling out of the building, then that's just the way it's going to be. 
But one thing I do know is this place is not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. It is a place where they believe that everybody can get saved and get delivered and get healed and get their miracle. Have we fallen that far away? David leaves instructions. Furthermore, King David said to all the assembly, my son Solomon, whom alone God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. And the work is great because the temple is not for man, but for God. You've got to remember something, David. He got certain characteristics about him by spending time with the presence of the Lord. You know, he was a man after God's own heart. Are you listening? So when we start having constitutions that differ with the order that the kingdom of God declares, this is when we are going to start entertaining inexperienced priests. Just because something looks good, just because something is attractive and appealing, doesn't mean that it's God. And I'm having more ministers tell me, hey, you, we just can't hardly believe that this is what we need to do. Well, I suggest to you that it is. Come on, amen? Because as wonderful as, as Pastor Glenn is and as Pastor Arl, Arlen is, uh, uh, listen, folks, they don't have the charisma to be able to reach everybody. But you get God in here, and there won't be anybody that can't be reached. So watch what happens here in Amos. Oh, my. Ooh, glory to God. I feel something kicking tonight. Amen. Are we ready? Come on, amen. Because after I get through with this, this little portion here we'll pick up tomorrow, I want to I sing and worship a little bit because that throat condition's already on the run right now. Hot. Yeah, that's right. Glory to God. Knees are going to get healed. Lower backs are going to get adjusted. I watched the Lord put seven bulging discs in order last night. Amen. And you're probably, you, I pray you all leave out of here and you, and you call all your goofy relatives and say, my God, I know you're a little twisted, but you've got to come to church with me tomorrow. You've got to come here, this sweaty, bald-headed guy. He, he wants us to worship God. And we started worshiping God and things started clearing up. Somebody here battles migraines and that's going to leave you tonight. So he says, on that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I'll raise up its ruins. Let's just talk about the damages that have taken place in the church since we have gone seeker-friendly, since we have become time-conscious, lack of the gifts of the Spirit. I travel to 110 churches a year all over America, and I see very little manifestation of the gifts of the spirit well here's the thing well we're you know we we don't want we don't want nobody to misunderstand we don't want anybody to get offended are you kidding me really you know when i was doing apostolic work i used to have my parishioners come to me and they would tell me stuff like that and i would look at them and i said look your family's got all kinds of dysfunctions and you want me not to obey god I got one shot at your dysfunctional family over the holidays and you want me to maintain? Don't you understand that the whole reason why they're here is because they're looking for something? 
Don't you understand that the reason the police chief is here and the varsity football coach is here and the mayor is here and everybody else that's in some kind of an authoritative position is here is because they are looking for what they can't find somewhere else. And you want me to dummy down the gospel? I say absolutely not. I'll tell you what I will do is I'll spit on people past the front row. I'll threaten all your relatives with oil. Glory to God. I'll sweat on everybody. I was wiping sweat off my head last night, popping people in the head. Sweat was going everywhere and God was working miracles. So if you got a problem with it, it might be a little unconventional, but let's just roll with it for the next couple of services. Can somebody else go first? Listen, you know what's happened since we haven't really been in the presence of God like God wants us to be in His presence? We do not have a submissive spirit to authority. Any kind of an authoritative decision or direction is always met with opposition if it confronts your comfort zones. You see, there's something that the presence of God produces. It's called trust. So we don't have submission to authority. We have everybody right in their own eyes. We've got people assuming authority, authoritative responsibilities that should never, ever assume authoritative responsibilities. Hey, listen, folks, there's something called being submitted that causes everything else to work out right. And as long as there is opposition to authority, it'll always, it'll always be dead in the water. Nothing will ever progress with some of the ruins that have taken place. Some of the ruins is this. We have not taught people how to host God. We, we, we have not taught people the importance of meeting with the Lord. When I first got saved, maybe I was influenced wrong. Before I went to Norville's Bible College, I fell into a group of intercessors that taught me how to pray. Now listen, they just didn't taught me, teach me how to pray. They taught me how to meet with God. We'd start at 7 in the evening. On Friday nights, this is what I did after I got saved. I would start meeting with God at 7 in the evening on Friday nights. And sometimes we'd crawl out of there about 4 in the morning. And we'd just get lost in the presence of God. So I'd start meeting with the Lord in my prayer closet. And word of knowledge would take me through the course of my day. And I'd start writing down times where there would be meeting places with humanity. And God would just show up and alter people's lives. I was in Subway the other day. Young girl standing in front of me getting ready to order a sandwich. And the Lord says, excuse me, son. Ask her how she feels about being pregnant out of wedlock. <laughs> you know, it's that prayer closet meeting stuff that causes that to happen. Come on, are you listening? It's called folk, you know, coming into the presence. Let me tell you something. Y'all would fall out of here. Where do we have dinner tonight? Kelly's? You'd fall out of here and go to Kelly's or go to that Irish pub down the, plate, down the street, wherever you'd go. Glory to God. You'd run into people and people would be curious about you because of the presence that lingers on you. It's the truth. It's the truth. So he says, I'm going to, I'm going to, where'd my scripture go? He said, I'm going to, I'm going to restore this. No, I want to stay in Amos. And in that day, um, we're, that's the wrong scripture. Amos 9, verse 12. Watch, he says this. He says, that they may possess the remnant of Edom. 
Now, Edom was a group of people that were, they were spawned out of, out of Esau's tribe. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Or when you look at the ancient Greek, the ancient Greek states it like this. If people will get involved with the tabernacle of David, no matter how wild the tribe might be, you will actually be a tool that God will use to bring revival to people that seem to be lost. Oh my. So he says something like this. And the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who does this thing. Behold, the days are coming. And I believe that we are in a day that has been trying to come for, for quite some time. Says the Lord. When the plowman shall overtake the reaper, and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed, and the mountains shall drip with sweet wine, and all the hills shall flow with it. So listen, what happens is when you get involved with the tabernacle of David, when you get caught up in praise and you get caught up in worship, when you're, you're exposed to the early rain. So you know what happens? Your soil, the soil of your heart, starts to receive the instructions of what you need to do in the moment. And as you do what you need to do in the moment, now you begin to overtake the reaper. You are no longer plowing for something to happen. You are now in position to become a harvester. You see, when you overtake the reaper, what you're doing is you're overtaking the reapers or the harvesters of the last move of God. But somebody's got to get in position to receive what they need to receive so that you can overtake what took place in the last move. Not about you, but something happens when you get into this kind of atmosphere. When you are now exposed to the information of overtaking the last harvesters because you are a present-day harvester under the influence of what you need to do to not only see your life blessed, but see what needs to be done so that revival can reach everybody. Something happens. You no longer are susceptible to being an old wineskin. You're constantly being filled. Well, the information that's needed to fill your life so that you can stay fresh. What I'm trying to say is you, you don't ever, ever have to get old and crusty. Hello? Hello. You, don't ever have to, you don't have to get opinionated. You can stay soft and teachable and pliable. If you can't be teachable, you can't be trusted. That's just the truth. And my friends, I would love to be able to take this a little bit farther, but I'm going to stop right here. Because what we are exposed to in the presence of God is not only the instructions that are needed, but there is so much more. And we're going to get involved with this tomorrow. What I want to begin to minister to you tonight, I want to pray for that person that's got a throat problem, doesn't seem to clear up, doesn't seem to go away. Well, tonight it doesn't have an option. I want to encourage you, if that's you, I want you to stand on your feet right now. I want to pray for people that have back trouble, knee trouble. Somebody's got that migraine. Listen, I call these things out. You need to stand up. All right? If I needed a miracle, I'd knock people down to get it. Chris, whatever's in your heart, let's just worship God for a little bit. For the rest of you that might not need a touch in your body, or if you listen to them, we're not going to keep this just to the word of knowledge that's been, that's been you know, thrown out. If you need a touch in your body, please stand up. Oh, hallelujah.
We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you.